Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are talking about the amazing amount of new content that was dropped on us by Disney+. And joining myself are Ashley Coffin and Brian V. Klein. We're going to have all that for you and more right after a commercial break. We have no control over. All right, welcome back. As I said, my name is Matthew. Joining me are, first of all, Ashley Coffin. Ashley has already done three hours today talking about um, Marvel Universe. Uh, Ashley, how are you doing today? I'm happily overwhelmed. Like, there's just <laughs> so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. I tuned in for about the last hour of the Marvel cast. And it was, I mean, the only problem I have with all this is I get super psyched listening to it. And then I'm like, okay, so we can go watch it now, right? Now we can go watch it? Oh, we have right? to wait two years? God darn it. Um also joining this podcast for the first time uh, with us, although he's been uh, a regular on a number of other stranded panda product, po- eh, a regular on a number of other stranded panda products, is Brian V. Klein. Brian, how are we doing today? Hello there. I'm doing hey. good. Kenobi. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, I am so glad to have you with us. I got to say, we did a a live stream that night as the new announcements were coming out, and it was so great to have you being. Uh, like knowing even more about Star Wars than I did, going so deep on the content, and I just knew like halfway through that conversation, I need to get you on an episode to to talk about this because there's so many doors we're unlocking, so many things that are being opened up. Oh, that's for sure. That was that whole Disney uh, investor call was just uh, overload of information, and it was it was great, especially when they came. To, every time you, they announced something new, it was just. Uh, Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! And then they drop stuff out that they didn't even know of that was gonna happen. And then that was just the the FX stuff. And then yeah. they did the Disney <laughs> stuff. And by the time they got to Marvel, it was just like I was spent. And it, it 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 was a it was a great day, an unexpected day too. But the Star Wars content was just you know, I know. unreal. I mean, we had Star Wars, we had MCU. Uh, if anybody wants, Willow. since Ashley's just doing this all day, someone should hop on and talk with her about Willow and all the Disney content. Um, so you know, we can just do it all. <laughs> um, now I can see Ashley's face as I volunteer for things, which is great. So let's just, let me actually just start with this for both of you. Um, going into this, how are you feeling about Star Wars content? Like, obviously we've had Mandalorian coming out before then we had had, you know, Kathleen Kennedy running, not the best trilogy. I think in many ways, a lot of us have different opinions on what parts worked, what part didn't, but I think there's a pretty universal agreement that the, there wasn't a lot of coherency among those movies. We've liked The Mandalorian quite a bit. How are you feeling about the idea of more Star Wars content when this all got started? Uh, I'll go first here. Um, I'm very excited and very optimistic because I think, in just a general term, it seems like we've got the right creatives in charge of the direction of the the franchise now. And it sort of came out of nowhere last year where if you would have asked the average Star Wars fan, say the summer of 2019, who Dave Filoni was, a lot of people wouldn't know who he was. If, unless you were a fan yeah. of Clone Wars or Rebels and realized that this guy actually was the, 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 the student of George Lucas for since 2005. I mean, he, he worked at his feet on Clone Wars and Rebels. Now you see it coming into live action and it's just like, where's this guy been? So for him yeah. <laughs> to be a creative on this whole thing, it's like you were saying that uh, I I enjoyed for the most part the sequel trilogy, but yeah, it just seemed like it was two separate 
um, narratives going and fighting against each other. And so now that you have one thing, if Filoni and Favreau become like the Star Wars equivalent of Feige, I'll be happy. Yeah. I had been saying for a while as I watched the prequels that it made me feel like I now truly understand just how valuable Feige was to the MCU because having that one, you know, if you'd had someone in the room who could say, okay, JJ, Ryan, you need to put your heads together and figure this out and come up with a coherent story. The three of you can tell, I think those all three movies would have been so much better. And I'm, I now feel like we have that, you know? Right. Ashley, what about yourself? How, how are you feeling about it going into this? I feel like I'm finally going to get to dig so much deeper into this universe without just having to like wiki or Google or read or, you know, I get to see now stories firsthand that I wouldn't know anything about. Um, yeah. We'll get into it a lot deeper as we start to go through the different things, but uh, it's very exciting. Yeah. I think that's one of the greatest points is so much of this material that we're getting now is it's opening up so much more of the universe. Um, and I think it's one of the things I'm, and so let's just kind of use that to jump in. Like, so we'll go through product by product, but just as the basis, like now you heard the announcements, how are you feeling? What were some of your first thoughts on it all? Ahsoka. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't wait for this. And they said that that's going to be what, uh, during the Mandalorian time. Mm-hmm. So obviously everybody's going to meet up a couple times. We we have like our Star Wars Defenders thing going on here and I love it. And I I just it seems like they're trying to stick to some interconnectivity like the Marvel side's doing and I'm here for it. And I will preface this. I'm going to probably because like Matthew said, I do have a uh I'm 47 years old. I've been with Star Wars since the beginning. I've read all the expanded universe, all the comics, all the new novels, all the I, I so I have like a, a a knowledge of it. So if I start using words like ABY and BBY because those things are actually come up in the yep. uh, the thing it means the the central point in the Star Wars timeline is the Battle of Yavin. So BBY is before the Battle of Yavin, ABY is after the Battle of Yavin. I'm just prefacing that out there. I'm sure uh, most of the fans know that, but some people may not know you know what the time frame is so ashley right there so yeah i was right like there. are those two cute little robots and i'll say i'm kind of halfway in between you two because i have been a, a diehard star wars fan as well i'm a little younger than you brian but i can say that in a way star wars was the first movie i ever saw in the theaters because my mother was pregnant with me when she saw it um so it became like you know part of me in that regard um uh, my mother would often joke that she didn't need to go um, get a babysitter when I was young because if she just put a new hope in the Betamax, you know, I wasn't going anywhere. Um, yeah. And I have I have academically dived into it a lot. I actually wrote up um, a couple of my major thesis papers in graduate school on the philosophy and theology of Star Wars. So I went quite deep in that regard. I've not read as much of the extended universe as you have, Brian. So we're really excited to hear you bringing that in. Um, what I have been, though, is, and I've been a big evangelist for some of the other TV shows that existed that until recently have never gotten much uh, attention. Things like the Clone Wars, Rebels, a little bit Resistance, though I think that's not quite as well-loved as the other two. Um, right. And one thing I really loved over these last, uh, especially from Mandalorian, but also just these last two weeks, it feels like there's so much interest now in those shows, you know, because we're just bringing it all back. Like all those things from those shows are suddenly coming, coming, up, coming to life on the screen. Oh yeah, that was what was funny. Was a couple weeks ago there was this meme where it was uh, uh, basically the Trojan horse coming to the gates of uh, the the city, and it was Filoni saying to Star Wars, "Here's a show about bounty hunters. 
in the the you know in the right after Return of the Jedi, and then inside it says Clone Wars characters, and so yeah. he's like, all right, we'll bring him in here because he didn't do much in the first season with that, but the second season it was just name it, you know, Bo Katan, and then they had uh, Ahsoka, and then they brought you know Boba back. I was actually glad this week when there was not a big you know. Uh, cameo or a new introduction of a character that everyone was waiting for and it just let the story play out but yeah Yeah. the clone wars i think once it went to netflix after it was canceled it got a little bit of a um rejuvenation they brought out the the um lost missions then and then rebels the same thing both of them when they went on streaming gained so much more traction and such a bigger following after the fact when they were on which is nice to see and actually i know you've been Dipping your toe a little bit into the Clone Wars stuff. And it's 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 15 years ago and it's a kid's show. It has a lot of really great points. But I think you were definitely having some struggles with a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I Googled, like, what are the top episodes that you should watch? And I watched those. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, nice. It was like Ahsoka leaving, you know, the whole thing with her. Um, you know, the stuff with Darth Maul, which makes stuff in Han Solo make a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obi-Wan and his little girlfriend. I see you, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How close he came. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think with that idea of that we're bringing in the characters is such a good way to put it because one of the things that I... One of the things that I really love about an extended universe is when you can start filling in the details of, okay, these grand battles are happening, but what's happening to the man on the street? You know, what's happening Mm -hmm. in the universe to the people who aren't fighting the grand battles but are affected by them. Uh, That's honestly a big part of what I loved about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the MCU Defenders was that a lot of them were much more about, okay, what's happening below the scenes? And I think, honestly, that's one of my biggest takeaways is I feel like we are getting so much new content that's about, okay, the everyday fighters of an X-Wing squadron and, you know, the people who are not you know, making the big decisions back on the home planets, but just the people out on the rim trying to extend the new galaxy or, um, you know, and or trying to, you know, show us some more of that, that part of the world. What are, are, do you guys have a kind of similar feeling about that? We're going to get to really dive down into some of more of the, the nitty gritty of this universe. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it's refreshing because most of the stuff that I've had, like my past history with is you sort of have to mentally visualize it because it's all in, especially like the novels, but now it is, you know, they're, they're, they're keeping it star Wars, but it seems like they're, yeah, they're going into the weeds. They're going into, you know, like with this, I mean, but then again, we don't know what some of these things are. That Rangers of the new Republic show is just like, here's what it is. It's in the Mandalorian universe, but we don't know what's going to focus on, Yeah, you know, as long as it stays the, the 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 course of being Star Wars and feel, it's fine by me. Yeah, we'll see how it that's really all we need, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's Filoni and Favreau, that one in Ahsoka, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is that it really feels like there's now one once again we have a consistent vision of what Star Wars is supposed to be, you know. And I I am. It's interesting because I think some of it, like I love Clone Wars, I love Rebels. It has the prequel problem you sometimes get of you try to create all this new stuff in between the things you've already seen. And then you start wondering, well, wait, why did we know about this before? You know, like, <laughs> I love Rebels. Um, why Ahsoka Tano wasn't involved in the main three, first three movies. We've just kind of glided over that. We need So I am hoping there's at least a little more of that. But um, 
I was going to say, it has the sense of a lot of times where they're talking about, they're like, well, this happened during this. Why wasn't it mentioned in one of the movies? And a lot of times is those movies are so focused on one thing that you're not going to find out about every single thing that happened at that same time, which is how they can. I mean, Star Wars has always been about the quote unquote certain point of view where you can get around stuff by like, I remember when Clone Wars came out and it's like Anakin had a Padawan. What? Yeah. (laughs) But they explained it perfectly. Yeah. And so that's how they, you know, it's sort of Clone Wars was sort of like MASH where it was an eight year season or seven year season for a time period that lasted three years. In, yeah. the, in the actual universe. So um, they, uh, the, what you were talking about being everything jumbled is sort of how like the Marvel comics are now, because it's just like, they've had a hundred comics that lasted between um, a new hope and empire. It's like, wait, where did all these other characters come from? Where did they go? But then again, you go yeah. back and focus on, it's focused on the Skywalker story. So there's a lot right. of stuff, other stuff going on in that whole yeah. battle, but yeah. I was going to say, I'm so ready for this whole extended universe without a Skywalker, but then they're like, but we're bringing back Anakin. Yeah. And we're going to have thoughts on that, which we will get to for sure. We'll get there. We'll get there. I, I'll just say the one. I do just the, the Ahsoka thing. Like, I just, I love the character and I love that they're bringing in, but I was talking about it with a coworker today and it just, there's no way that she wouldn't be brought up at least at some point in Revenge of the Sith. And I just, I hate that because mm-hmm. it's such a cool character, but you would think Obi-Wan would at least you know, call her, even if she was on a mission to be like, oh, you know, I, he might listen to you. He ain't listening to me. Yeah. He's crazy. of oh, Anakin. Um, it's just, that's the only like little teeny problem I have. And I, I do feel like that's now, cause I think you're right. I think that there's some just inconsistencies there, but part of my feeling is, and a couple, uh, Jeff is saying in the chat, as well as what you said, Brian about, um, F and F, like we're calling him Feige and Filoni. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that, Part of what that means is that there's now going to be someone making sure of that, you know, saying like, oh, okay, yeah, I've read your script for this, but you should know that this other thing happens in this other movie and that's going to connect. So how can you like put that in, um, mm-hmm. which I'm really looking forward to. And, uh, was, and technically, they were supposed to have that now with the story group, but it didn't seem like the story group, the Lucasfilm story group was really doing much of that because they let a right. lot of stuff go through with the the three, the seven, eight, nine, because it, that thing was destined to fail when you didn't have one cohesive thing behind it. But that's not what we're talking about here. But that's the whole thing is those, the, the, the story group is almost like a name only now. If they run everything through Filoni filter, if I want to call it like that, or Favreau filter, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be for a lot more. You'll get the same type of feel from the stories. You won't get something that's completely disjointed. I hope. Right. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think in, in this regard, and I'm not just saying this because like, we're just following the MCU stuff, but I really think that the MCU has set such a new understanding of how you can build things. And I feel like Star Wars is now learning from that. I'm excited to see what other networks are going to learn from that. Um, the, the one other kind of general comment I want to make, and this is especially, Brian, I'm curious your thoughts and any fans in the room. Um, when Disney first took over, one of the things they did was to basically just say all of that extended universe that happened in the novels, we're just going to kind of forget about all of it. And we're just going to put it all to the side and say, that was great, but we're going to create our whole new canon. And, you know, there was a lot of people very upset about that. I think for good reason, because it was a very well built out. If, you know, I'll 
admit, some of the writing, I think, is not the best quality I've ever read. But some, you know, some great story stuff that's developed. And some about, wonderful 20, about 20% sure. of it was crap, I would say, at you least. Know, um, so. <laughs> the, the writer of Darth Bane creates a great story. He does not know how to write romance. <laughs> I'll just vote Oh, Drew Capetian, yeah. Those, yeah. That's a great trilogy. But yeah, they didn't need to put that <laughs> into the Sith story, you know. But But my point is, it has definitely felt to me like, I mean, even with Rebels, but especially now with this that we're getting so much more of the extended universe is now bleeding in. You know, are, are you getting mm-hmm. some of that feeling that like a lot of the books are being honored in some way with things like Thrawn and the Bad Batch and Rogue Squadron and stuff like that? Oh, definitely. I mean, it started with Thrawn, especially when you brought back Zahn to create. Once they brought him back in Rebels and then he's created uh, a, a trilogy that's done and now they have another trilogy that the second book comes out in January which is in everything that comes out now is in the new canon. And uh, yeah, just, I mean, the only thing I would say is that don't expect if they, when they bring things in, that they're going to be the exact same as what they were in the old EU. Yeah. But like you were saying before is when they announced that, that that was done, I was actually relieved in a sense because it was, I think at that time, the old expanded universe, which is now legends, there's like 130 novels. And it's a lot to um, digest. But also with them saying that that's all legends, it leaves the people that are making the the, the movies so much, uh, uh, they have a blank canvas. They don't have to say, oh, well, Chewbacca died here when he got a plant or a moon fell on him. Or, you know, there's Jaina and Jason Solo and stuff like that. I wish they would have been able to go and finish the story they were telling. Mm-hmm. But with them having none of that, the, 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 the characters and stuff are there if they need them. But they don't have to be the exact same, but they don't have to, you know, abide by that story that was told already. Brian, I think it's a great point. And in a lot of ways, it makes me think of what the MCU has done. In, and I think this would be a very good model for them to follow, where the MCU is telling stories about characters from comic books. And some of the stories that they're telling are taken from the comic books, and some of the stories are new. But they're, they're, they're not trying to recreate the stories. They're just creating new stories based on those. And in right. large places in spot where plot points are inspired by those. Um, I think that in many ways, um, that's exactly what the movie, that's exactly what Star Wars should do. Say, kind of treat those extended universe novels as the comic books, as here's content we're going to pull into, here's stories we can retell, here's characters we can retell, but we're not going to try and do a page to page retelling. You know, the ending might be totally different. The antagonist might be totally different. Oh yeah, and I, but the only problem with that right now is with Star Wars is that the ongoing comics and novels are in it. So unless they pull back on that production of the publishing, right. it sort of handcuffs because it seems like even with this announcement, we don't none of the ten things that were announced or you know expanded on were set that we know of in the sequel trilogy. They're all set in you know the the, the prequel era or before or in the the Mandalorian time. It seems. Uh, what that does, though, that's where a lot of the comics are set situated now. So if those start, you know, you, you can't yeah. tell a guy who's making, you know, like the Mandalorian saying, well, in the book, and this is what happened in the Mandalorian with Cobb Banth. In the Aftermath novel, he had an introduction of his backstory about how he got the armor, which was slightly different than it was on the Mandalorian. It was, again, it was, I think, the um, unreliable narrator perspective. It was close enough to where it wasn't completely off the wall. But I think if you have that much in the actual current um, 
publishing affecting what's coming out on the TV or the movies, you're going to start, you know, making the the story group or whoever work too much or just they'll start contradicting themselves. Now, they can use the old Legends in EU as a, like you said, as the basis for a character or a uh, backstory, and that doesn't mean it doesn't have to match up there. Yeah. No, and I was talking just about the Legends canon, you're right. Although even with some of the new canon... Like, I'll admit, one character I was desperately missing, and actually I promise we'll stop diving into this quite as much in just a second. Um, But I kept wondering, why are we not seeing Ventress? And then I realized it's because, and for anyone who doesn't know, Ventress, Asajj Ventress is a character who gets... Okay, I know. Ashley, you want to tell us? (laughs) I'm so happy. I get that reference. Who's Asajj Ventress? She's Count Dooku's Padawan? Basically, yeah. Okay. Okay, good. But she's she's set up as very much kind of a equivalent to Ahsoka in some ways. And towards the end of Clone Wars, the two of them have both left the Jedi and the Sith and wind up kind of having some adventures together. And I have long wanted an Ahsoka and Asajj Ventress buddy cop show. Um, apparently in one of the novels, uh, Ventress dies. Um, D- I think that is one of the canon novels you're talking about, Brian. Yeah. Where frankly, I'd be very happy if they undid that canon. But fair enough. It was one of, yeah, it was, she was protecting, she was actually on a mission working with Quinlan Voss for the Jedi, uh, and she protects uh, Quinlan Voss from being killed by Dooku. So pretty right. much, essentially, Dooku kills Ventress, which, yeah, that's, uh, then again, no one's really dead in um, in in Star Wars. I mean, I think Darth Maul <laughs> is dead now because he was actually buried in, on, in Tatooine. But you never know, for narrative purpose, they could always bring him back yeah. somehow. But I think, yeah, I think they have to find a way that, oh, she survived that week because she was just a uh, a fascinating character, especially when you find out her backstory about being a, a, a Jedi. I mean, she was being trained as a Jedi, and then she basically got left behind when her master got killed, and then she just got adopted by the Night Sisters on Dathomir. And, yeah, you know, she's, that's she's an incredible up. character that, that deserves some time out of the Clone Wars. Uh, Jess also makes a great point that it makes it easier for fans to not be disappointed if things aren't exact to the original, but the spirit is still there. Right. And also a direct adaptation of stuff sort of um, leaves the mystery out of it. If you know what's going to happen, it kind of, you like seeing it pan out, but if you know what the ending is going to be, it kind of, you know, yeah. there's no level of suspense there. I think that's so true. Yeah. So let's first start by talking about how three of the new things that are coming, I'm sorry, two of the new things that are coming are all going to be part of the same Mandalorian timeline. Um, we have Ahsoka and we have Rangers of the New Republic. Um, Correct. Let's start here and, and with Ashley because I know you were talking about it. How are you feeling about knowing that we're going to get Ahsoka's going to get her own TV show? That's all I wanted when we were like talking about where we thought the character was going a couple weeks ago. It's like I need more of what you're doing. I'm not. I'm not satisfied, and I yeah. need more. And I kind of had a feeling it was either going to be a movie or a series. Just they put so much work into her, and they didn't give us a lot of her. Mm-hmm. I was like, "That's the, you, that would kind of just be a waste." So I'm thrilled. Good. And then you you'd watched a couple Clone Wars episodes, but you didn't know much about her, right? I mean, when she appeared on screen in Mandalorian, this was really your first introduction. Um, I feel like after Bo Katan had said, uh, you know, when we all went crazy, when she was like, you got to go find Ahsoka Tano. And I had two weeks to figure out who she was. That's when I watched a lot of the Clone Wars stuff. So when the episode came, like, I was ready. 
Yeah, I knew we were going to talk about it, and I, I wanted to be able to have some part of the conversation. <laughs> I did. Like, Ken's like, what? Are you on, like, hour 10 of this cartoon? I was like, you need to go in the other room. I am doing research. <laughs> it looked like I was solving some kind of crime. I had, like, papers That's everywhere. Awesome. He's like, Bo-Katan and Mandalore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and honestly, that's one of the best things I think I can hear because, honestly, part of my fear when I start seeing all this stuff from these TV shows that I love that are nowhere near as known is are we going to start alienating everybody? And so actually, I think knowing that, like, I think this is true for so many others, people who had never heard of Ahsoka Tano before they saw The Mandalorian, I think we're all super hyped for that TV show. Mm-hmm. That's insane that you, when you're like, oh, it was Anakin's Padawan, you're like, I'm sorry, yeah. what did you say? Who? Wait. Yeah, and it, but, you know, you would think that that character would be more prevalent in all the other movies, but I love what, you know, they did with the, the, the cartoon. Like, they did a good job filling it in, and that last episode was really good to kind of say, well, this is where she was when, um, you know, Order 66 was yep. being done. It was okay. Yeah. They tried. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they tried to order 66er, but, you know, and that explains a whole lot with, um, I think what you're going back and saying about, if I can chime in here, is that the the character reveals in the Mandalore, even going back to last season with the Darksaber, it basically, it doesn't leave someone alienated, but it allows them or makes them go, what is this? And then go find out the history yeah. because it's all in a lot of the animated stuff and it's all easy accessible accessible on Disney Plus, so um, that's why I think this year it was so far in like four or five episodes in a row. It was okay. This is going to launch another series, and this is going to launch another series, and this is going to launch another series. They were smart on it, but it didn't it didn't pull away from the narrative of this of the show that you're watching. Yeah, no, and I will say one like one little kind of fun thing about that when we first started the um, Star Wars Universe podcast, we were doing a couple of things. One of which is episode by episode reviews of the Clone Wars, and it's not a very popular series. Um, a the, no, there's a lot of it. And, and I think there's some wonderful parts to it. Some parts are kind of schlocky. Um, and our numbers for those episodes have been lower than a lot of others. Um, the nut, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of people going back and finding those old Clone War episodes we recorded and listening. And those numbers are going up by about 20, 30%. So that's nice. been really fun to watch. So, yeah, it looks like people are jumping into this. And I remember when it was – because I, I watched that show – week by week when it was originally airing and there was one time during season two where it was uh, newsweek or time or so one of the magazines said the best political show on television that you're not watching is star wars the clone wars because that was when they were getting into there was a lot of politics in it and it was interesting i'm sure and there's a lot of times like you were mentioning that it was a kid show it was definitely designed for kids but there's a lot of stuff on there that was would be way over kids heads and especially i mean can you imagine a a five-year-old kid trying to understand the Mortis trilogy. Oh yeah, there's no way. So it was geared towards adults, or you know, geared towards kids, but also made for adults. So, yeah, um, yeah that's. I think they did better after se- season one was kind of. I think that's when I just was like, I can't do this. And then Matthew's like, Don't like forget season one, just move on. And then it got a lot. Better. When they, they went started, linear, you know. because if you look at the episode guide, like the first episode you don't watch is not the first episode of the show. It's like season. T- to episode four is the first thing in, in the mm-hmm. time frame. When did, once they got through like the middle part of season two, that's when it started going almost fully yeah. in order. They weren't going back to tell more stuff. So that could get confusing. For sure. And I, I don't want to go too into the Clone Wars, but but one thing it did very well is 
it also really helped to answer the questions people had about from both the second and third prequel movies. You know, in that show, you learn more about why the Separatists are actually doing what they're doing. Um, with Ahsoka, you get to understand much more of the story of Anakin's fall through her eyes. And so there's mm-hmm. just, and, and, and getting it back to that discussion, I think that's going to be one of the most interesting parts of this Ahsoka show. Um, there's a novel I recently read that was very well done. Uh, it's just called Ahsoka. It's in mm-hmm. the new canon. And it talks about the time, basically from the end of the Clone Wars until um, Star Wars Rebels is getting started. And a lot of what it's about is about how she carries so much guilt because she wasn't able to rescue, to basically to save Anakin. And, um, and also that she's one of the ones who has very negative feelings about the Jedi. Like she started to recognize all the problems the Jedi have about that maybe telling everyone you can never have attachments isn't really a good idea. Um, you know, and uh, maybe setting all of these absolute rules as a way to com- say that the people who set absolute rules are bad, the Sith. And so I'm I, when they, getting into it, like, I'm really excited to see how Ahsoka is going to have some of that play out. You know, I want to know where is she now that she knows that Grogu is back. Um, maybe they're going to hear that, you know, somewhere Luke is looking for new Jedi. Like, I really want to know more about how Ahsoka's feeling about this because she's probably the person who most saw Anakin fall. And who was most affected by that? Or at least that's still alive. That's yeah, still alive. Yeah. Would Obi Wan be alive during that time? He's not alive now. No, not during Mandalorian. Because this, okay. yeah, this take, right. it takes place. It, it's yeah, it's after, nine it's years after, after a New Hope. Yeah. So right. he yeah. did. Like, I don't. Well, let me let me ask you this. One of the things that now kind of occurs to me is, you know, Ahsoka has all these feelings. He's trying to figure stuff out. And now Luke's, uh, Anakin Skywalker's children are running around and are like the heads of this new Republic government and things like that, or at least Leia certainly is. I don't imagine we'll ever get them all on screen together, but I would love to see some degree of Ahsoka, like learning about what Anakin's kids did, you know, and that, or even just like, can you imagine the moment where Ahsoka learns that Vader did turn back to Anakin and did turn back to the good side in some way? Like, even if that's in her flashbacks, I want to see some of that because so much of what I love about her character is just how wrapped up she is in Anakin's story. Right. I think something that'll play out because you got to think that in her connection to the force that the redemption would have been felt. Although she did have that aha moment in Rebels where they both realized who each other was. Like, she didn't mm-hmm. know that Anakin was Vader. But then remember when they were fighting each other, were, um, she was on the ship. And uh, Vader's like, or uh, what do you say, like the apprentice or something? Like she reckoned, they recognized that who the other one was. And we're both like, oh crap, yeah, you know. <laughs> so it, it all depends on how how connected she was, because technically she never became a Jedi again once she left at the end of season right. five, which is evident in Mandalorian, which is why she has white sabers. Right. So she doesn't have the blue or the green sabers. It's just a it's a colorless uh, kyber crystal. But didn't Leia not become a Jedi either? Well, I think she became a Jedi. She's still she, she, she was a Jedi. She was being trained by Luke, but she never went like further on. Ahsoka literally left the Jedi Order. She right. said, "You didn't, you didn't okay. uh, stand by me, and you were accusing me of this stuff. Basically, a big screw you, and you're off." 
Mm-hmm. Although there was that line in the season seven where they were, I think it was near the end of it where they're talking on the um, hologram and or on the the hollow table, and Yoda says something. Uh, it's like, um, uh, basically, are you coming back? And she said, not yet. Yeah. And then she couldn't do anything because Order 66 all of a sudden happened then. So that was basically a moot point. But, you know. And I think, though, that part of what we learned about her from Mandalorian is that she never is coming back. Like, I, I got the sense, certainly, that's part of her hesitation about Grogu is she doesn't want to necessarily see it carried on. Um, right. One of my favorite lines of dialogue, I think, in all of Star Wars um, especially because it's such a great homage to Lord of the Rings in its own way, comes in Rebels when Ahsoka and Vader do have this final climactic lightsaber battle. It's very emotional. It's a great scene. And she's saying, like, Anakin, I think you're still in there. I think I, I can rescue you. And, you know, he says, no, I have killed Anakin. Vader says, I have killed Anakin. And she says, well, then at least I will avenge his death. To which mm-hmm. Vader says, that's not the Jedi thing to do. And she raises her lightsaber and says, I am no Jedi, and charges him. And I just, that's such a yeah. great Ahsoka moment. And I'm, so yeah, I, I think that kind of continued her feelings about the Jedi and where this is all going. It's going to be so interesting to see it play out. I didn't watch any further, I think, than that episode in Rebels. Do you see mm-hmm. her again after yeah. that scene? She yeah, gets, but only very she briefly. Gets, she, yeah, she gets saved. Yeah. That's the okay. whole thing. That's the one thing about Star Wars I wish they never introduced that world between worlds because everyone uses that as a cop out now to change things. Like, uh, no, please. Just, they used it for a narrative because they put her. Basically, Ezra saved her from that situation because she was getting uh, crushed the by temple the. Was falling in. The temple was falling in. She gets pulled out into the world right. between worlds. And then when she gets put back, she gets put back in that same spot, but safe. So, but the people are saying, oh, we could change this because okay. we got the world between worlds and they saw the Ahsoka symbol. Actually, the Ahsoka symbol that they have for the show sort of has that world between worlds type of uh, design to it. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, I hope they don't use oh. that. And, but it was a so flowing Zach, thing. I just want an important comment. Um, the reason her lightsabers are white is explained in the Ahsoka novel. She winds up defeating an Inquisitor and using the crystals from his lightsabers, which have been corrupted. Uh, and basically kind of like saving them to make her own lightsabers. So there's sort of a story oh. reason why they're white, but I think I think we're all right that it, it does represent her break from the Jedi. Um, I, there's so much to cover, but is there any, what, anything else people want to see from Ahsoka specifically in terms of where that show goes? I think it's going to help with, I mean, if, they're, if, if they said that, the new, the Rangers of the New Republic, the Mandalorian, and Ahsoka are all set in the same time frame, and they're going to merge into an event series, sort of like the Defenders. And I think that with the three of them together, it's going to end up being something where they're going after Thrawn. Because that's Ahsoka's yeah. point now. It has nothing to do with the Mandalorian. The um, I could see them having Bo-Katan coming back in for the whole Darksaber thing with Gideon. Uh, I'm not sure what the the Rangers thing is, but it's gonna. I think the event thing they're gonna do is gonna be something that has to do with Thrawn or the higher ups because we don't know who the the top dog running the Empire is right now, technically. Right. Well, so let's talk about that. What what do folks think we're gonna see out of Rangers: The New Republic? Who knows? Nope. New Republic Rangers, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's only. <laughs> I, I, that's one that I have no. You know, there's people talking about that it's gonna be. Um, uh, Trapper Wolf and Carson Vega, the two, um, the Filoni and the, um, I can't think of that guy's from Kim, Conve- uh, Kim's Convenience name, those two uh, X-Wing pilots, it's going to be their story. And I'm like, I don't think Filoni's going to spend a lot of time 
in front of the camera if he's going to be running the thing. So he'll have a cameo here and there like he's done. But mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to have something to do with uh, just there. It, it, it could be the Rangers could be like the, the U.S. military where it's a covert group. And who knows? They could end up hiring it, especially after this last episode, uh, uh, Bill Burr's character. Right. Because he, he just totally changed everything. And he, I mean, he was freaking phenomenal in last night's episode. I ended that episode going, why don't we see Star Wars Mayfield? Mayfield. Like, that's a show we need to see. I think he'll come back in some way. But yeah, yeah, that's the one that's... Good. I'd say that's the one that we have the least amount of, uh, I wouldn't say baggage going into, but knowledge going into. I will say, um, what the thing that I'm probably most hoping for at Rangers of the New Republic, and and both, well, there's two things. One is that, I don't want Mando to become the story of the Republic and the Empire fighting each other. I like the idea of him kind of doing his own thing and it overlapping those things. But it's now getting two shows that are much more about that, you know. But the other thing is, um, we have a million stories about rebellions overthrowing governments. But it's actually pretty darn hard. We never actually get the story of what happens next. Like, Okay, you know, the the land from Hamilton, like, you're in charge now. What are you going to do? And I was really excited to see that in the sequels, to see, okay, the Republic is trying to rule. How is it doing? And I was kind of disappointed when 10 minutes into that, or however many minutes in that movie, that all just gets blown up and we never find out about it. I don't I don't think Republic, Knights of the New Republic, uh, sorry. Rangers of the New Republic is not going to be about the politics back home. I want that show, but I think only me and five other people do. But I, I, I think that it's still going to be about the struggle to sort of reestablish the Republic and all the complaints about it, the concerns about it. And I'm, I'm excited for that. I want to see like what's happening as people are trying to replace the empire, you know, because it's Mandalorians talked about this, like the empire's evil. It's wrong. It's terrible. It makes the trains run on time. That's why people like authority. So how do you replace all that and still get the trains running? Um, that That's, right. I think, I don't, I don't want to see all the politics of that in Republic, but I want to see the effects of that struggle happening. I think it'll be a cause and effect thing. Though. It'll be something that has to do with the political side of it, but then the Rangers are going out there and dealing with, you know, either, you know, being law officers of the law or being just, you know, stewards of the new Republic. Who knows? So that's why I said you go into it without having any idea what this is going to be. But yeah, there's a lot of fertile ground for it to cover. Yeah. What about you, Ash? Any kind of thoughts you've had about it? No idea. <laughs> what, Rangers? No, yeah. no idea. It's a lot. Uh, a it is of kind of weird, to... though, because they have they, uh, StarWars.com the next day on Friday had the, the, a breakdown of everything. And they have Rangers of the New Republic listed as an ongoing series and Ahsoka as a limited series. Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah, they basically did that. Obi-Wan and Lando are event series, and then the rest of them are all series or the anthology and the, the, that right. animated film. So we don't know what the limited and the event... I mean, limited might just be it, it serves that purpose to end that narrative with whatever, what the event thing is and it's done. Mm-hmm. Or who knows? I mean, if it's popular, which you know it, it has the great possibility of being, they could just keep going with it. Yeah. Uh, a couple other people are agreeing with us about Mayfeld yeah. that he, he, I mean, his character just took off and I mean, he, I love the questions he was asking, you know, and again, it's giving that man on the street portrayal. Um, 
you know, it seems really easy to like be like, of course, everybody hates the Empire. Everyone wants to fight. A lot of people, it's just like, okay, I just want to, you know, live my life and not be bothered. And I don't care about this Skywalker guy or this solo person. No. And that's what I think that's what sure. the, the show yesterday that the, the title was The Believer. And I think that was Mayfeld going from being at the beginning, doesn't matter the New Republic, the Empire, till at the end going, now the Empire is terrible. I mean, that, he, yeah. he saw it firsthand and he did what he had to do to stop that from happening again when he blew up those two um, uh, Rhydonium uh, tankers. Yeah. So, yeah, he just had such an express. I mean, he, he used his face. Bill Burr did to express so much. And just some of those side glances he had when they were sitting at that table, when Din didn't have his helmet on, it was just like, wow, if he doesn't okay, get a nomination yeah. for a uh, guest actor on a drama, it would be a crime. <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm just like so proud of him. I've seen him come so far. Oh yeah. Cause last season he was kind of, I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, if you've ever, do you listen to his podcast? I've listened to some of his stuff and I like, I mean, I like Bill Burr as a comedian I just I was listening to the thing yesterday, the the seven minutes in Philadelphia, where he was ripping on Philadelphia all the time, and by the end they were Yo, giving him a standing that, ovation. That's the, yeah, it's <laughs> the best. It's the best for sure. Oh, I can't even repeat half the stuff he said. But I mean, he was on the Chappelle Show, and he started out doing stuff like that and other little parts, and then he was in this movie with um Kevin Costner, where he was like his lawyer, and then he got that other. Movie. But to see how far someone can come, I was just like, you're, you're crushing it, Bill. I need a Mayfield series immediately. Yeah. Certainly, I think he's going to be a recurring character. Him and Cara Dune. Um, oh, yeah. The one last thing I want to ask about these this Mando trilogy of shows we now have. Um, do you think that we're... Do you think that we're going to see in those shows, to some extent, the beginnings of the First Order? And Order of Snoke? I think they, they pretty much said that they were going to show... In at least the Mandalorian, this was the pitch. I saw at Celebration last year in Chicago before the show was even on that. It was going to show breadcrumbs of how the First Order came about. So right. it might not be a, like a whole um, subplot of it, but it's just little things that show. Because, I mean, in all essence, the thing that they might be doing right now, what um, Gideon is doing, is getting the the what they call the M count, which everyone knows that stands for midichlorian, to help uh, with the problem that they're having with uh, Palpatine, because that whole that whole timeline with Palpatine's quote unquote son, who ends up being Ray's father, is happening right around in this time. So right. that could be what connects it to the First Order and the sequel trilogy. I know it's very interesting. Because yeah, I th- didn't we kind of think that that's what was in the episode um, where he met back up with Lando and Cara Dune. The clones, possibly. Yeah, certainly. Oh, uh, yeah, not... in the vats. Yeah. They're yeah, working on some I, yeah. kind of cloning technology. Yeah. And I like what you say. I, I don't want Snoke to be the the character who appears in the last episode of all of this. You know, I want it to right. still be the breadcrumbs. But I like the idea that we are, we're seeing different parts of the Empire playing around with cloning and the Force. We're seeing all the discontent that would let people be like, maybe this First Order thing has a point, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So... I'm 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 curious to see all that because in the timetable, Ray will be born in like five or six years, so her father has to be out there somewhere. I mean, obviously he's going to be a a, a sped up genetically uh, like right. clone like that, but it's got to happen sometime soon if it hasn't happened already. And those were the failed you know bodies that couldn't contain 
Palpatine's essence or whatever, because that has to be his. That has to be the connection, I think, to the First right. Order. Yeah, that um, Ray is gonna be born soon. Ben Solo should be born pretty soon, and around this time, Luke should be starting to f- try and find are there other Force sensitive people out there. And so I, again, I I don't want Luke to appear in this. Although Stan Sebastian, maybe that can happen, but. I, I would like to at least hear some connection between people like Ahsoka talking to Grogu and the fact that there's someone else in the kind of main New Republic trying to find out more about the Jedi. Like, it'd be nice just to know how those fit together in some way. And I had a quick thought about how, you know, when they, when they went to Tython and they did the, uh, Grogu did the thing with the, the Seeing Stone and he sent out the call pretty much. Who's to say that that doesn't attract like 10 people to come there? And then all of a sudden these yeah. people all realize that if, if one of them happens to be Luke, he'd be like, all right, you guys all heard that? You're all dead? Okay, cool. Look, come with me. We're going to start an academy. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, I have an island. It, it could be something cool. that, you know, triggers that. Who knows? I mean. Yeah. And, I mean, especially because one thing that Disney Plus didn't talk about at all, because it's not on Disney Plus, but it is Disney, we do have a number of new movies coming out as well. So it may well be that Luke never appears in these things, but that we get a movie about sort of the founding of the Jedi or, you know, of that Academy or something like that in which they mention like Grogu appears or something like that. I mean, there's just so many possibilities. Right. And they Um, can't, they they already did a big enough info dump. There were, I mean, they were focusing on the (laughs) Disney plus stuff. They did mention the two movies, but um, it was, they're trying to keep it all from, they don't want to get too much too fast because they realize what happened when they, they, if you think about it, it took them 20 some years to create six movies originally and now we've had five and five years and they put so much out there and it could be you know star wars isn't marvel where you could put a movie out every three months you have to let time let it even though everyone was a lot of my friends were thinking that the once a year thing was sort of seemed like it was a rushed idea yeah but i think now with this platform with disney plus and with the way that they could put out the good content and if it connects Let's see, what, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. So we could just go the whole time on those, but I want to talk about some other things. Um, uh, so let's talk about some of the other shows. Andor, we already it had been announced, but we didn't know much about it. Um, mm-hmm. I am so excited about this one. What do you, what are you all thinking about Andor as a, as a new show we get? I loved Rogue One. I mean, it was that's my favorite of the the new um, the Disney era movies. And for them to have Tony Gilroy, the guy that came in and for lack of a better word, did the uh, the script doctoring at the end because mm-hmm. Gareth Edwards did a great job, but then they made the movie that Lucasfilm wanted him to make, but then they realized it wasn't quite Star Wars enough, and then Gilroy came in and changed. That's why if you remember the first trailer for Rogue One, a lot of those scenes weren't in the movie. They took yeah. out a lot of that stuff. So Gilroy now being the, the, the showrunner of this gives me so much confidence, and then seeing that sizzle reel was like, it looks like Rogue One, so I'll be happy with it. He directed the Ford. He directed movies, Ferrari right? versus Ford, yeah, or Ford versus Ferrari or whatever it was. But she was asking about the. Didn't he also direct the Jason Bourne movies? Oh, the he Bourne movies, Bourne yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. I think right because it's going to be like a. This is going to be like yeah. a, a spy yeah. thriller. I have a question. Um, who's Mon, Mon Mothma? Did you ever? Did you ever see Return of the Jedi? The so woman she, that says, yeah. uh, "You know, many Bothans have died to bring us this information." The older woman with the short hair. Yeah. And she was in Rogue. Okay. She was in Rogue One as well. Okay. Yeah. She she is the leader okay. of the of the rebellion. Yeah. Um. And okay, it sounded familiar. Yeah, and we and I saw just her a good. She was a former senator who left the Senate because of the Empire, 
and it's a very important scene in Star Wars Rebels. And she's one who, she's not a fighter at all, but she's an inspirer. You know, and I think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, like, Leia okay. takes over her role in that. Leia's also a general, but she's the one who, like, gives the stirring speech that makes people feel like maybe they don't have to live with the, you know, the, uh, maybe they don't have to live under the Empire. You know, she brings the Republic together. And so I'm... Okay. And I'm I'm really excited to see that because I agree with you. Rogue One was one of my favorites. Especially because, I mean, big shock, I like moral grayness. I like... And I'm... Cat, one of my favorite scenes of Rogue One that I feel like so sets the tone is when our hero, Andy and Cass... Uh, An, no, Cassian Cassie Andor, yeah. um, is meeting with someone who's helping him and mm-hmm. a perfectly good person realizes that they're both about to get caught and just kills that person straight out, uh-huh. you know? And it's like, he's doing what he needs to for the rebellion and it probably it's the right thing to do. But he just straight up murdered a dude. Like, this is, is going to be such a great exploration of, like, how much can you justify, like, doing terrible things in support of this great cause, you know? Um, as well as just this is when we get to see all these groups starting to decide, like, do we actually join with the rebellion? Do we stay with the empire? You know? So I'm, I think there's just so much great stuff to explore there. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's confirmed 12 episodes for the first season. Nice. nice. So they said that. Wow. I think I'm excited for Vader coming back the most because of Rogue One, because that was definitely my favorite scene, just seeing him come okay. in there and wreck oh. shop like he did. Ah, oh. cause you don't really get to see like, that the older movies, it was awesome, but not like you don't the, get to see the lightsaber battles are now. Yeah, as you see, and he's just a, yeah. the reason why everyone fears him. That and that last two minutes of Rogue One was just like, yep, this is why he's the Dark Lord of the Sith. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you need so more. I of that. Need okay. more well, and so let's jump into that to the next one, Kenobi, because this has been, I think, certainly I had some very strong feelings, and some others did as well. One of the most controversial announcements that. We are getting the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, which we've known we're going to get for a while. It's going to be set about halfway between the end of Return of the Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Luke is going to be about 10 years old at this point. Obi-Wan mm-hmm. is living on Tatooine, kind of keeping a watch over him. Um, and we know that Hayden Christensen is going to return to play what they are saying is Darth Vader, not necessarily Anakin Skywalker. Um, how, how are folks feeling about the show and kind of what we might see and, and where it might go? I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm Just excited because I think on. what they might do, they'll <laughs> yeah. for story directive could use flashbacks effectively and have them showing some of their Clone Wars <laughs> exploits that they were doing together. Um, not necessarily, or even though you do see in a few things Vader's face, like in in Rebels where Ahsoka's fighting him, it cracks open and you see Anakin underneath it. Right, and it could be, and this is another gray area too, is because people are like, well. In A New Hope, he says two things. He says, um, since we last met, I was but the learner. Now I'm the master. But he also says, you should not have come back. Right. What does that mean? Does that mean that, oh, because Obi-Wan seemed to know his way around that Death Star like he had been there before. So it, 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 it leaves, like I said, it's a certain point of view. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see Hayden because I think well, he I agree you, was a victim a lot of bad. rematch of the century. Right, right. So he's going to pop and that. And if it happens 10 years between the two, then he could fight him. I mean, he's going to fight him and he might leave him for dead this time if Anakin's got the high ground or Darth Vader's got the high yeah. ground this time. But I think Hayden got a lot of Hayden in Attack of the Clones was very wooden. 
that has to do a lot with the dialogue. But he also has said that he used his acting, his his in- inspiration of how James Earl Jones's delivery was in the original trilogy. It was very monotone. It was very, you know, that's just how his character was. And I think he was a lot better. He was definitely a lot better in Revenge of the Sith than in Attack of the Clones. That has a lot to do with the dialogue. And you could always go back and say that um, uh, the prequels could have definitely helped by having someone come in and not have been such a yes man like Rick McCallum was and giving him a little bit more direction on because Lucas has never been a great dialogue person. They even said that back in the original trilogy. He's like, you could write this down on paper, but you can't say it. Empire so, Strikes Back is the best of the yeah, three because the best he didn't actors. write the dialogue. No. And, 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 and what, part of what Brian's referring to is um, one of the biggest controversies is this idea that Anakin and, or Darth Vader and Obi-Wan are going to meet because most people's interpretations of A New Hope had been that this is their first meeting since Revenge of the Sith. Um, right. I, I'm not with you. I, I, I think the idea of there being flashbacks between the two of them is fantastic. Um, not all the n- novels are just named the one name word of the, t- of the person's name. Um, but another great novel that is now canon is called mm-hmm. Kenobi. And yes. it's about, it is about Obi-Wan on Tatooine trying, it's when he's first trying to connect with Qui-Gon Jinn and he's setting himself up to keep an eye out on Luke. And one of the main parts of the book as well is him coming to terms with what happened to Anakin. And he's carrying so much guilt, so much anger and trying to, do the good Jedi thing and like push all that aside and really wrestling with it. And the book gives me so much more insight into where he is by a new hope in terms of how important it is to him that he helped Luke and not screw it up again. So I'm super excited to see a Kenobi show. I'm super excited to see what Kenobi can do on Tatooine. I'm, I'm not with you on Hayden Christensen. I think he's just an awful actor. Um, And I'm, I don't think I'm I'm willing to have an open, I'm willing to have an open mind about him and I'm willing to have an open mind about, him and Vader meeting. I I feel like this is the prequelitis that we get into sometimes where we just keep throwing in things that don't fit the canon. Um, so I'm not excited for the match of the century, but I'm going to try and be open-minded and we're going to see what happens. And I'm, I'm glad to hear other fans who are really looking forward to it. Yeah, I like what you said, Brian, because I don't, I didn't know that when he, I never kind of noticed that you shouldn't have come back here. That's yeah. a good point. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, everything from, I mean, hell, Rogue One was based off of one line that was in the crawl for original Star Wars, where the Rebel Alliance won its first mission and got the plans to the Death Star. Okay, they make an excellent movie off of that. So that's, and that's the, that's the, I guess the, the benefit and the problem that Star Wars has is that they use that. But then people can, you could use it a certain way, but then you guys probably all noticed that Star Wars fans are the best, but they're also the biggest crybabies too. A lot of, I mean, Star Wars does have a huge toxic fandom problem and you could get one thing that tells that um, two people can um, just construe completely two different ways. But I think in this sense, you can take something like that and make it, you know, the whole, you shouldn't have come back use it as a, 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 a basically like a launching pad for something like this to where it's still far enough away that you don't have to um, justify it by like, why didn't they realize it in star Wars? Then they did a lot in the clone wars too, with uh, especially if you've noticed that 
in the Clone Wars cartoon, Anakin and Grievous never meet, even though there's sometimes when they're close or they're both knocked out and they get dragged by each other because in Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. they meet for the first time. Yeah. So, you know, they have to use, especially when you start telling stories in between stuff you've already told, you have to be super aware of not doing something to mess up the the, the canonicity. I don't even know if that's a word, but you know that type of thing, especially because the Star Wars fans. And like, I'll be the first to admit, Star Wars Rebels makes A New Hope make no sense at all. <laughs> because, you know, part of A New Hope is this idea that, you know, they refer to Darth <laughs> Vader as this last practitioner of an ancient religion. Except Rebels tells us that there were numerous Jedi running around two years ago. <laughs> you know, I mean... Right. And, and Rebels is one of my favorite shows. And so I'm pretty happy to be like, okay, that doesn't match the canon. Who cares? It's a great story. I think that may well happen here. Well, I even Yoda to... says Yoda says that Luke was the last yeah. Jedi, and we know at that time there were others out there, but they're not. They might not technically be Jedi. Ahsoka's not a Jedi. Grogu's right. not a Jedi. You know, it's right. or it could just be from, like I said, that certain point of view or the narrative. Yeah, a lot of it goes with the fact that it wasn't invented yet. So, yeah, uh, and and I think um, you know Matt, Jeff, and I are going to do an episode on superhero ethics soon about. How important is canon and the danger of holding on to canon too tightly? Because I do think that's true. Like, sometimes we just have to make some adjustments and make these things happen. Um, I do want to just push back a bit and say I think there's an awful lot of the Star Wars fandom that is awfully, awfully toxic. And I will not deny that for a second. And I think mm-hmm. um, I'm always glad we're calling it out. And I, I think sometimes the idea that the Star Wars fandom is worse. I've seen some... I, we can go back and read DC fans responding to some things and Marvel fans responding to some things. Um, Marvel, I think, has had the problems, but I know certainly a lot of it from DC and, and from some other fandoms. I do think, though, and I think this is something that we should be able to model, is, you know, I think one of the problems when a fandom is toxic in some ways is it then becomes anyone who is has concerns or maybe isn't happy with the direction it's going is now seen as part of that toxicity. You know, and I think there has to be a way for us to, and this is kind of another topic, but to be able to say, like, Hayden Christensen to some of us, was a pretty bad actor. Which yeah. doesn't mean now let's go into his Twitter feed and bomb him and say, don't do the movie. Like, that's awful. No one should ever do that. It's how you react to it and how you interact right. with it. I mean, I can have a conversation. Like I said, I have, I don't have a problem with any of the Star Wars movies. But if I have a conversation, say, with someone like you, Matthew, who might have a problem with Attack of the Clones, we could have a civil discussion about it. Exactly. If it, if it ends up being like, well, you like this, so that makes you an idiot, and then you're not a true fan, that's like that's the definition of what the toxic fandom has become. And that has happened a lot yeah. with, I mean, I can tell you that there's some people that I don't talk to anymore who I was casual friends with because of Last Jedi, because of how I rate and like this, just, and then they would like lash out at me and other people for liking it. And it's just like, that's not, okay, just relax yeah. a bit and then when you tell them that don't tell me to relax this it's like okay i, I just don't need this because I'm, I'm mostly a positive upbeat yeah. guy i don't like having a lot of negativity thrown at me and if that's what you're always getting when you're engaging someone in that it's just like you don't need it yeah and you, you go on yeah which sucks because i think anyone that's that you know that involved and loves star wars that much I think that person should be someone you could have a conversation with. It doesn't yeah. have to do with their fandom. It has more to do with them as a person, I think. So. Yeah. We kind of talked about that on this uh, Supernatural podcast about, uh, you know, you s- should never tell anybody what they see mm-hmm. and right. art is wrong. Like, 
everything means something different to somebody else and everything's interpreted different to everybody else. And it's supposed to be like that. And you can't tell somebody that something that they get out of something is wrong because that's wrong. It would honestly have never occurred to me that some people thought Hayden Christensen was a good actor. Like that's how, like until this last, maybe that's part of the thing is that that feeling was so overwhelming that no one wanted to talk about it. And so I intentionally put something up on Facebook saying, if you think he's a good actor, tell me why. And, you know, forbade anyone to argue with it. And I've been really glad. I'm hearing other people's perspectives on that. Hearing about people who love the prequels in ways I didn't, that helps me be a better fan. It doesn't convince it doesn't convince me that I'm wrong because it doesn't have to. No, and it doesn't it, have to. Your 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 opinion is your opinion. Yeah. And it it it, it I would think, if anything, it could be swayed to the positive if you see stuff through a, a more positive light than what you're used to hearing or seeing. Or when you say, like, oh, well, this is what was, I think is what's happening. And you're like, oh, okay, I can see that now. Yeah. It's not as, you know, detrimental to your thinking of it. So then it makes you end up being like, okay, I can see it. But when you start, yeah, when you start going after someone for like that, you're not civil about it. That's just what, yeah, you know. And it's nostalgia. We have to, you know, think that the new wave of, of people who loved the the original movies, there's also this new wave of younger people who grew up with the, sure. you know, the prequels and really did love them. And just based off yeah. nostalgia are going to be yeah. excited and that honestly, that's like, happening. You know, A New Hope I saw when I was five years old. And so the idea of anything questioning it, that's the one canon I hold on to, you know, and that's my, that's, we all do that. I think just knowing that about ourselves. So putting that aside, we'll get to have that debate. And But I've promised starting six months before that movie, that show comes out, I won't say a word negative about Christensen. Oh, uh, yeah. What do we want? What else do we want? Like, obviously, it's not just going to be him and Darth Vader all the whole time. What are we hoping to see out of the Kenobi show as well? I got one thing. One thing, and that's it, is that the first opening shot is they pan on to you and, and he just starts off by and he goes, hello there. That's his first line. <laughs> yes. The rest of it can be whatever, but it's just, I mean, no, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know what to expect because with it being, t- <laughs> it could be anything. It, it's not going to be, you know, just him watching after Luke because that would be boring as hell. Right. But it's, it's, Ewan is such a good actor that, you know, we'll see why he, in 20 years, went from looking like Ewan and McGregor in Revenge of the Sith to Alec Guinness <laughs> in A New Hope. So, I mean. Do you think uh, Tatooine get... Sand does it to you? <laughs> Do you think we're going to get ten-year-old Luke as a character? The stress. I think we'll probably see him in in some sense. Yeah. See him in the distance. Um, I don't think, like I said, with this being, for what I've read, a shorter series, it'll end up being the equivalent. I think it was six forty-five-minute episodes, so it'll be like four hours, which would be like two movies. Yeah. So, um, nice. they're going to have to focus in on one thing and not have to, you know. They don't have the luxury of sidestepping whatever their main point of it is because it is going to be so, like, focused. Um, but as long as it has to do with something, I mean, obviously the Vader thing is going to come into it. So he's obviously going to go off planet because there's no way that um, Vader is coming to Tatooine. So Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, one thing I've been thinking of is it would be nice if it just sort of like, you know, Kenobi is hearing stories like someone's like oh my god yeah you know I was at this battle and we saw Vader do this and so we're getting a lot of like Kenobi learning about these things um one thing I really want and I don't know if we're going to get this but um this comes from both that novel I was talking about and from the Clone Wars we know that Kenobi 
has himself been very tempted by love. Um, mm-hmm. In the Clone Wars, we get this beautiful story about him falling in love with a, a Mandalorian duchess, Satine, um, mm-hmm. and that he, like, he's tempted to leave the Jedi Order for her. Um, and I've always thought it's never explicitly said, but I've always thought that's part of why he kind of doesn't put more of a stop to Anakin and Padme. Anakin and Padme, yeah. Is because he has a little bit of that soft spot for it. Mm. And in the novel, Kenobi, yeah. um, he meets a new person who very clearly is interested in him. And it does seem like he's flirting with her to some extent. And I think that would both be an interesting thing to explore, but also interesting to like have a little bit more explicit the way in which his, his own experience with this, how he feels like, did we make a mistake in not allowing Anakin to be open about his love for Padme? Like, could that have been different? Like, I'd love to see something with that, especially if it's, I mean, Ewan McGregor is also a very good looking man. And a good romantic actor. And so it'd be nice also oh, yeah. to see that, like, you know, the monk wanting to flirt but having to hold back. I think also now that you th- I, th- I thought about it, the one scene I want to see, and it would obviously be in a flashback at the beginning of it, is the last we see, he leaves Mustafar and he leaves Vader slash Anakin for dead. He goes yeah. into hiding. And in the, there's a novel that takes place after Revenge of the Sith where it's um, Anakin learning to, um, come to terms with him being in the suit. And there's a scene at the end where it's Annie or um, for lack of a better word, Kenobi is in like a, a bar and he sees the hollow feed and it says Darth Vader and his minions. And all of a sudden he goes, Darth Vader's still alive. So yeah. he, it's the realization that he knows that Vader is, because he knows that Vader is Anakin because of the hollow feed at the end of the hologram he sees at the temple of Palpatine anointing him. So the right. minute that he recognizes that Vader is now this black samurai looking guy has to almost be like the holy crap. Now I do have to, you know, protect his kid. Yeah. Although why he would leave the name Skywalker on his planet that he grew up on in the homestead, you know, is another thing, but <laughs> so many questions. Yeah. 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 And that, that hollow feed, that's exactly the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I want to see like, you know, Kenobi learning about what Vader has become and then flashing back to a conversation he had with Anakin or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, let's move on. We've gone pretty long, and I want to um, get get out of here after not too much longer. But um, the Bad Batch. Um, these are a couple of characters who were introduced in episode seven, season seven of Clone Wars. They are a couple of clones who were all. They're not exact. They're like you know. There are five of them. They're not quite right. Um, what are folks thought? Ashley, I assume you have no idea what any of this is about, right? Yeah. Uh, nope. No. I have well, that actually is kind of funny because one of them was uh, it was called ninety nine in the Clone Wars, where they show an episode where they're training the they're they're basically the the clones that are not as subservient, and they're they're basically the rejects, mm-hmm. and so that's what they created the Bad Batch for, and they're they're specialized. Like one of them uh, is okay. a little, you know, it almost remind the Bad Batch is pretty much almost synonymous with the A team. You've got this one guy that's a big brute that's kind of nutty, and you got another oh, guy who's cool. a sniper and another guy that's a tech guy. And then at the end of it, one of the actual clones, Fives, becomes the member of the Bad Batch. But it's basically a way that they continue the story post Order 66 in the animated style that the Clone Wars was. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for that just because the, the that, that animated style was always, I always loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's going to have a much smaller run. It's going to have a smaller audience. Um, 
I, I do you think um and here we're going very deep into stuff and we won't do this too long but Brian do you think it's gonna be in part inspired by the Republic Commandos books um it could uh that would have been you know I don't know how much they're gonna pull from Karen Travis's stuff but I think that could be um some of the basis for their the 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 style they are because they are the Republic Commandos were a you know an elite fighting force used during the Clone Wars to do some of the more the the, the dirtier jobs. Uh, so I think that's what the Bad Batch was sort of uh, alluding to in season seven. So, yeah, I think the thing that kind of gets me, though, is that in this trailer, you see them looks like they're taking orders from Tarkin. Mm-hmm. So they're still clones. They're still working for what was the Republic, which is now the Empire. But if I remember right, these guys don't have the inhibitor chips in them right. or they're 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 not working right. Obviously, fives doesn't. So they didn't get messed up by the whole order 66 thing so it could be that they're covertly working with uh what are you know the early stages i mean it wouldn't be the rebellion but i've already saw that that's um bo-katan is going to be in the bad batch at least the first season right so that character from the clone wars i think i mean it's basically is this going to be a new name for it could possibly be just season eight of the clone wars right so honestly the feeling i got when i heard about it was a team like, this feels exactly. like it's going to be the group that are, they're going to be on the run. They're going to be, like, you know, trying to do their own thing and doing their own tasks. Um, I, I just think it's going to be a fun story. I don't think it's going to have super importance for everything else, but it'll be fun to look into. Um, Lando. How are we feeling about Lando? We don't know anything about it. That yeah. was the one thing I was pissed off is when they said, and here's a sizzle reel from the guy that uh, created Dear White People, and then it went for a minute and 20 seconds of the countdown. Like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. But from what I've heard of the people that did they see it. did that. They don't. It's, <sighs> they did that yeah. a lot. I I thought that was just, I was like, oh, what? I didn't watch it live, so now I can't see it. Because they did that for, they're like, here's some scenes from Obi-Wan. And then it cut to a blue screen with trivia. I was like, what? In yeah, I, I think the idea is that the investors yes. are supposed to be the ones who get that kind of specially advanced knowledge, I guess, and they all sign in right. days. I was like, you don't know? You don't know I got stock in Disney? Yeah. Show me! All um, we know about Lando is that the, he's the character. We don't know if it's Glover. We don't know if it's Billy D. Williams. We don't know what time frame it's set in. We don't know anything about it. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to have both. Us. I'd love, whether it's like Billy D. Williams giving kind of voiceover or like two kind of parallel stories yeah. that are happening kind of like you know, they're each doing their own thing, but we're learning about both. Like It could almost be, you remember the TV show in the early 90s, Young Indiana Joan Chronicles? Yeah. Where it had yeah. Sean Patrick Flaherty as Indy, but you had some shows where mm-hmm. Harrison Ford was on it or did some narration. It yeah. could be almost, it's Lando in his older days giving memoirs like he was doing, in, like Donald Glover was doing in the solo movie, and they're just acting him out, though. So right. it could be both. It could be yeah, both of them. Awesome. act. I mean, I don't know how much... Billy D. Williams could actually do as a lead of a show because he is 83 years old, 84, right. and he was sort of limited in uh, Rise of Skywalker, but they already have Donald Glover under their um, umbrella with FX, so I think well, utilize it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the other thing is like Donald yeah. Glover is also a very popular, very busy man right now, and so that's the one yeah. thing, but if we can get him, great. And that's another limited series, so. That, that'll event, help sorry, a lot. It's an event series, like obi-wan so it could be one season six episodes equivalent to two movies yep. done yeah cool. i'm also really excited about acolyte and i know acolyte again yes. we know almost nothing about um i think in part because i just want something that has no connection to the skywalker world in the slightest no as i understand you know, this is the high republic is the period from about 
300 to 100 years before the Battle of Yawin. And this is going to be set at that time. And the acolyte refers to, at least from the, the books that we're told it's inspired by, an acolyte of a Sith apprentice. And so... A dark side leading tendency, yeah. Right. So this may be sort of the beginning so of a line that. that leads... I mean, there's been an unbroken line of Sith for Sith millennia. A thousand years. But, but at this, this time, the Sith would have been Darth Tenebris, which is Darth... Plagueis's master. Right. So he could be, it could, I mean, because, yeah, they said at the end of the High Republic. So this should take place roughly around 100 years before um, right. A New Hope. So it's it, it's still so cool. in that. I mean, I would assume that with that time frame, you probably could have a couple Yoda appearances because he's around and he's a Jedi mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and the cool. High Republic as itself, that storyline is a huge marketing, like a publishing push that they're doing starting in January. They got a novel, they've got three comic series and then they have I think they have novels coming out like every 2 months yeah. for 2021. So it's going to be a big, you know, um put it, that's going to be the stopgap right now in the storytelling because there's going to be nothing as far as on Disney Plus until the end of 2021. So, and it's got a cool concept too. So, yeah. Yeah, they said a, a mystery thriller. Basically what happens is that a, be... a ship explodes in hyperspace and the rem the parts of the ship are still going in hyperspace but they don't know where they're coming out so all of a sudden this ship could come out of hyperspace five light years away and next thing you know there's a piece of a ship for uh hurling towards something so that's just the basis they have so you know we'll see what happens yeah i'm excited i think that's gonna be real good anything dark side um I think that's all the shows then um so the last one i want to touch on it wasn't announced as part of the disney thing but we got it right about the same time um, Rogue Squadron. Yes. Here. Oh, actually, one thing I want to say, quick, I'm backing up. Uh, Brian, all the stuff you just talked about, that's all from Legends books that are non-canon, right? Well, the Darth, Darth Tenebris Plagueis and Darth has Plagueis, become yes. in canon, but the, the Darth Ten- Ten- well, the Darth Tenebris in the novel was Darth Plagueis's master, but yeah, that is Legends. The whole High Republic thing that we just mentioned with the hyperspace blowing up—that's canon. Right. That's the thing that's coming out now. Right. But it, I think it'll be kind of like cool. like a Marvel Civil War thing where we're rewriting the canon in these new novels and stuff. And it's going to be very inspired by the legend stuff, but it might be pretty different. You know, no, I think when you especially with how well received the Darth Plagueis novel was and he is I mean, Darth Plagueis as a character is canon because of Revenge of the Sith. Right. His backstory may not be, but it would be easy enough to just slot that in and have it be canon. Exactly. Exactly. I so. Think so. Um, so, yeah, Rogue Squadron. Uh, which, again, is based on uh, the name of it, and I'm assuming a lot of it uh, itself, comes from another very uh, successful set of Legends novels. So, again, here we have something that's going to be not the same story, probably, but probably, and it's about a lot of the characters who we, you know, hear reference to, Bidge and, uh, sorry, Biggs and Wedge. um, And 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 Hobby and Jansen and, you know, and some of those those other, um, the fighter pilots. And I I love the idea that Patty Jen... Is it Jenkins or Jennings? Patty Jenkins, yeah. Patty Jenkins, Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman, as well as some other things. Her father was a fighter pilot, and so she's always wanted to make kind of like a fight, uh, you know, a fighter pilot type movie, kind of like a Top Gun thing. She's mm-hmm. never said those words, but I'm putting Top Gun the kind of example of what she's talking about. And so to have like that kind of a fighter pilot movie about Rogue Squadron, um, that's such a unique take that I would love to see. Yeah, yeah, we said that's another thing we don't know what time frame that is. But it's Rogue Squadron was big in uh, Rogue Squadron was the name of in the movies, at least 
the um the the fight the snow speeders on Hoth were the rogue squadron. Right. The but they were the in the in the novels it was the X Wing. Uh, sometimes Wedge was Rogue One. Sometimes Luke was Rogue One if he came in. But yeah, those there's nine books with Michael Stackpole and Aaron Alston that were just phenomenal because it's not all fighter stuff because these guys were also um, trained uh, agents. So it was a lot of espionage and a lot of flying into somewhere, breaking into something, then coming out and having a dogfight for it. So it, those those books were are phenomenal. Well, there was a couple just a couple of quick things here. Um, the visions. Uh, show oh, the yeah, anthology tomorrow. series is going to be the and yeah there's there's like two there, or there's three anime more. it's basically anime inspired or anime artists from Japan doing Star Wars inspired uh, shorts they said short movies or short films so that could be anywhere from ten minutes to yeah. half an hour yeah and then a droid story which is an animated uh, movie that's going to follow yeah. R two and three PO with uh, a new character they said right. Who's going to tie into the films? It's going right? to tie. What's going to tie in? It'll be canon in that way with it's them too. But they just they they were sort of she was sort of vague on that. Yeah. But the one okay. thing they did say, and this intrigued me, and I put this on the in the group yesterday when we were mentioning this, is that Kathleen Kennedy specifically said that the Star Wars history is expansive. It 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 stretches over twenty five thousand years. And then they were mentioning Taika Waititi's film in progress, and they showed this vision. That was my last. And what this thing looks like is there's this like uh, a pyramidal, double sided pyramid that looks like what's called a Thoyor ship, which used to bring old Jedi like twenty five thousand years ago to the planet Tython, which is now canon in Mandalore or the Mandalorian, to get trained by the Jedi. It wasn't the J E D I; it was J E D apostrophe A I I. Right. which was a precursor to huh. the Jedi. It was, you know, force people and force sensitives. But when they had that, and especially the logo that they put next to Taika Waititi's head, that Star Wars looked kind of like a prehistoric type logo and animated, yeah. like how they would have like something 10 million BC. So that leads me to believe that Taika's movie could be set in the beginning of the, how the people that were figured out how to use the force Again, another thing that's just mind-blowing to think that, and especially Taika Waititi, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever seen yeah. something of his that I did not enjoy. Yeah. His movies, his TV shows, whatever Same. it is. The guy's a mad genius, and I love it. And I think that's, I I think that's such a good it. point, because as much as I love the Skywalker saga, I think it can sometimes make the whole galaxy feel very small. Um, right. That's part of why I hated that um, Rey is uh, Palpatine's granddaughter, because it just... it. it I want to feel a bigger, wider universe with more family lines and things like this. And so, yeah, telling stories from a hundred years in the past, as well as a hundred thousand years in the past, and maybe some other stuff that's just about like a story about a bunch of like pirates living out, you know, in a totally different part of the galaxy who, you know, kind of know this war is going on, but they don't care. They're just having their adventures. Um, There's just so much in this universe to explore. And I love that we're just getting all of it now. Yeah, I feel like that's at the end of everything. They kind of were like, we're done with the Skywalker story for a while. Yeah. So, like, as much as it'd be nice to see Luke and them like pop up every once in a while, I'm also just kind of like done with it. That hand, that hand cap, that handcuffed the narrative where it had to be focused on that specific thing, which is why a lot of ways they could get around saying, "Well, we didn't see this happen in this movie because that wasn't the focal point." 
It's a big world. It's a gigantic right. galaxy. There's a lot more stories to tell that could be almost like, um, uh, what's that Shakespeare, the uh, Gildenstern and Rosencrantz? Rosencrantz, Gildenstern, Dan. Where yeah. <laughs> they're there and they're off to the side, but they're doing their own thing. So it could sort of like merge in a bit so it keeps that same feel, but they're off doing a whole completely different thing. I love that you made that connection because we've been making that same connection on the other episodes of this podcast. So that's awesome that we supposed to it that way. Um, cool. Yeah, like one thing that Mandalorian I think helps remind us of is it's easy to think that the war between the Rebellion and the Empire consisted of a couple of battles there was right. the battle of yavin there was the battle you know destroying the death star and then the <laughs> battle on hoth and then some fighting at bespin and then the battle to destroy uh the second death star and the, you know cara dune like the reality is there were so many campaigns this drawn right. out fight between these two armies and fleets that we never see and so it's nice to see, like, yeah, there's so much more to this war to explore. Because that wasn't part of the Skywalker saga in exactly. the films. So once you think at the end of Return of the Jedi as a kid, it's like, oh, it's happy. Everyone's, you know, you know, happy. And then you see, like, in Rise of Skywalker that that Death Star actually came and crashed on the planet and could have killed a bunch of people. All the, I mean, that's a big thing that being exploded in that planetary system. It could have done a lot more damage <laughs> that they couldn't control. I mean... Physics be damned. Yeah. The, the Heir to the Empire's books that introduce Grand Admiral Thrawn, a key part of the story is the way that just a single starship crashing on a planet totally yeah. destroyed the environment, you know, and how mm-hmm. that affects. So, yeah, there's there's so much to go into. Um, so, again, we could talk about all this forever. I think this is kind of a good time to wrap up. Any other last, last things or comments that either one of you didn't get a chance to say? Nope. I'll just say it's a I'm great time so to be excited. a Star Wars fan. Yeah. 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 Or becoming a Star Wars fan. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine just popping in now. You got a lot of people (laughs) around here that can uh, help you, guide you in the right direction. So, yeah. But, but like I said, you know, it's, I think it's great that we also have, I think that my, my one fear is that we start to get to a point where, like, none of us are doing it, I think, I hope. But, Brian, like that toxicity you talked about, it'd be easy to fall back into, oh, well, you don't know all these eight Easter eggs that were in that TV show from this novel from 15 years ago. You're not a real fan. No, and I think no it's great that we have both. I think that there's those of us who are feeling all this payoff from the stuff we loved as a kid that mm-hmm. we, just, we thought had been abandoned is great. But also, if you're discover, I mean, because in some ways I feel like I'm getting to play the flip side that I do on the MCU. I am one of the biggest MCU fanboys that's out there I have not read a single MCU comic book in my entire life. My fandom is 100% from the movies and the TV shows. And I and granted, things like the MCU cast help me see more. And I hope this podcast helps people see more. But I think it's going to be so important that there are fans who you've seen a couple movies. You've seen The Mandalorian. You know, maybe all you've seen is The Mandalorian and now Ahsoka. That's great. You know, I think it's... I was so afraid with how bad the sequels went over... Granted, they made tons of money, but like at first it seemed like maybe they were going to pull the plug on all these things. Um, I think 20 years from now, we're going to talk about The Mandalorian the way we talk about the movie Iron Man of having launched this whole new thing, you know, because I think Mandalorian, it was kind of the palate cleanser. You know, it got the post-quills out of our mouths and it showed Disney there is still this huge market for Star Wars stuff. Right, and they couldn't have done that two or three years ago because they didn't have this platform they have now. Disney Plus is a game changer, I mean, as we've seen in across the board. Yeah. I mean, Disney, Marvel, 
Star Wars. It's it allows it to be so much more of a you know an expansive storytelling um, medium that you could use. And on top of the fact too, if you watch those galleries, the um, the volume that they oh, created yeah. is just going to be it's it's a game changer. I mean, they they started a new technology again, Lucasfilm and ILM for the last. 45, 50 years have been, they've not adapted to with the technology that's out there. They've created the new technology that people use. Now they're building those volumes. They, there's one in what they're filming in now, but they're building another one in LA, one in Australia, and one in um, cool. London. And it just creates a whole new way that you could make a cinematic um, movie or TV show on 20% of the budget. Right. Because yeah, you don't. LED screens. Yeah. It's, and yeah. you can't and tell. It looks like you're there. Yeah. yeah, there's a few As times watching Mando that you can maybe if you're looking for it, but otherwise, it's and then when they show behind the scenes things, and you're like, that was not on location. Holy cow! And yeah, I mean, I mean, this know. is weird to talk about, but you know, 20 years later, Ashley and I talked about this when we watched Supernatural. We did our Supernatural podcast, and we talked about how much the writer strike just disrupted so much. Yeah, I think we're 20 years from now when we're talking about TV and movies. We're going to talk about this awful pandemic. I mean, the pandemic is awful for so many more reasons than this, obviously. But we're going to talk about how it had a major, you know, disruptive effect on media. I think Disney Plus, with this technology, has been one of the few that's really been able to, like, find ways to keep going. And I certainly hope they were safe, and I hope no one's gotten sick. And I'm, you know, very much don't want people doing more dangerous things. I don't want any of these movies in theaters yet, if it's not safe yet. No. But... But I think that we may come out of this thinking like Disney was one of the ones that figured out how to do this. Or at least figured, you know what? How about if we can't make movies? We're just going to plan everything now. Um, yeah. Right. So, Well, great. Well, thank great. you so much uh, to both of you. Thank you to all the people listening along in our chat. And to all the people who are going to listen to this episode when it comes out, thank you so much. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts. How are you feeling about this new content? What's the story we didn't talk about that you want to get into? What's something you're super excited about we haven't talked about? Um, or something you totally disagree with us? Again, you're a great set of fans. Let's disagree. Let's talk about each other. Let's have reasonable arguments. And, you know, because to me, that's this is where this is all born. Um, for me, the germ of this podcast started um, 25 years ago, 20 years ago. I'm old. Who knows? Uh, when Paul and I would go down to Atlantic City and play poker and we'd have these epic debates about whether or not um, Darth Vader was the protagonist of the three original Star Wars movies, you know, and just these great conversations. We've been having these conversations for years. Brian, sounds like you have as well. Ashley, you're getting into them. Oh, yeah. This is what I love. So, fans, please write in. Let us know what you think. Um, uh, Burkett the Nerd has just uh, signed on to the chat. Hello. Glad to have you here. I'm unfortunately we're about to sign off. But um, all the ways you can find us, if you go to straightedpanda.com. Click on Star Wars Universe Podcast. You can find all the great things we're doing there. You can also, on Stranded Panda, find a lot of other things that Ashley and Brian are doing on PandaVision, on um, Binger's Assemble. They've been doing deep dives into a lot of the DC movies. They've been really great. Um, pretty soon, Ashley and Fargo. I will be doing something on The Stand, the new TV show coming to CBS oh, All Access. Wait. I can't wait for that. So check all that out. We'll, Brian, maybe we'll have you on as guest sometime. It's been great having you get to talk about it. Thank you all so much. Yeah, definitely check out um, Brian and Jay Scotty doing Fargo because uh, I'm on uh, the end of season two because I started because you guys started that podcast and I can't stop. Like the last four days have just been Fargo. <laughs> season one, I'm almost done season two. Yep. That's awesome. Aliens? I mean, uh And if I do want to <laughs> say one thing for people that are a little confused or lost with all this new tech or like the new information that's coming, there's a Star Wars wiki called 
of all things, Wikipedia. And you go there Aww. and it actually gives you, you put someone's name in and if it has both the legends and the canon, there's a tab for each one of them. So if you look and put Bo-Katan, it'll say what's actually canon now and what's legends. And it is a great resource to get you basically like a, um, like a cheat on reading all the information on all these new characters. So if you have no idea who Ahsoka is, you can go on there. And I think it's actually like about 30 pages worth of stuff. Wikipedia. So right. it's a it's a great resource for anyone that's out there that's getting into the new stuff that they're throwing at you. Awesome! So thank you all, uh, fans. Definitely keep keep writing into us, uh, listeners, uh, all the people in part of the chat. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Ooh, tee-hee.